Today I continue in the series of sermons that we have been working through on the parables of Jesus. I won't have time to do all the parables of Jesus. Next month, Carolyn and I have another trip we'll be taking. But I want us to focus on a number of the important parables, especially uh, that we find in the Sermon on the Mount and following. These parables, you will remember, are short stories or short illustrations that Jesus used to help explain the meaning behind his various teachings. So let's begin by reading a passage, this one from Luke 6, starting with the 46th verse. Here we find Jesus still early in his preaching ministry at this in this passage, but it's near the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Last week we talked about a, uh, a parable that was at the start of the Sermon on the Mount. Hear now this which is the word of the Lord. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed And its destruction was complete. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. Those of you who are around before we built this church in the early stages uh, may remember that on this property there was an old building that originally had been a glove factory. Um, It hadn't been used for 12 years. It was in terrible shape. But there was a building here before we built our church. When we first looked at that building, and even after we bought it, we had hoped, even though the floor was cracked and buckled in many places, we hoped there might be enough of a foundation underneath it that if we pulled up the old concrete slab on top, the foundation underneath would be sufficient that we could simply put a new floor on top of it and go on with the construction from there. But when we started to tear out that concrete slab, we discovered there was no foundation to this building or that building. Um, It appeared that the builders of that factory had simply leveled out the dirt and then poured about a three-inch slab of concrete on top of it. That's all there was, which is why it had cracked and buckled and was in such terrible shape. So the first thing that we did once we discovered this and had bought the property is we tore down the old building, ripped up the old slab, and we dug down five to six feet in order to put in a proper foundation. Those of you who are around at this time may have remembered what an enormous hole we had here. And then it rained. And then we had an enormous lake here for a little while (laughs) until it all drained off. Now, we created in that five to six feet depth a real solid foundation using packed earth and gravel, stone and concrete. It took a lot more time and more money to create that foundation than we had hoped. So why did we do it? Well, obviously, without a solid foundation, any building, including this church building, would not have had any solid base. A base is what foundation means. It's something that is at the bottom that holds everything up. We almost certainly, had we not made the effort and spent the money to put in a good foundation, we would have had serious problems, perhaps even to the point of the building eventually collapsing. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about in this passage from Luke 6. He tells us of one house that is built on a solid foundation where they dug it out all the way down to the bedrock, he says. And that building, like this church, could survive even a natural disaster. 
He then describes another house, one like the builders of that first glove factory, who didn't bother to create a solid foundation. And that building, that house, collapses and is destroyed. I'm sure at some time in your life you have heard someone referred to as being shallow. You may even have heard a reference to someone being a shallow Christian. This means that like that thin concrete floor in the old glove factory, everything is only on the surface. It's just surface. There is nothing underneath. There is no depth and therefore there is no strength. No ability to withstand pressure or problems or trials. A shallow Christian is exactly that. One who has no depth, no foundation to his or her faith, and so is likely to buckle under pressure or temptations or the first sign of opposition. I fear that too many of us are exactly like that. We are shallow Christians, perhaps without any real foundation. Now that doesn't mean that we don't think we have a foundation. Most of us probably think we are well-grounded, that our foundation is secure, but we have to ask ourselves, I think, Is it? Do we have a solid foundation? Are we secure in that? To answer that question for yourself, I want you to think for just a moment about what is the one thing in your life that you do not think you could live without? What is the one thing in your life you do not think you could live without? Because that thing is what you have chosen as your foundation. The American philosopher Eric Hoffer once observed, whatever you think about most is your God. So what for you is the one thing you think about most? What is the one thing you don't think you could live without? Is it your money, your retirement funds, or your garden, or your dog, or your cat, or your status in the community? Maybe your foundation is your family your husband or wife, your children or grandchildren, without whom you feel you couldn't live. Make no mistake, I'm not suggesting there's anything wrong with any of those things. Gardens are lovely. Money, used correctly, not only can satisfy the needs we have in our life, but can bless other people. Pets, nobody loves their dogs more than I do. Pets teach us love and compassion. And family certainly is one of God's greatest gifts. These are all good things in the right setting. None of them are inherently bad. But the problem comes when we look to either these things or even these people in our lives as being the most important thing, the foundation for our lives. Because as much as we hate to admit it, eventually money will all be spent or passed on to someone else. Our status will fade. Our pets and unfortunately even our family members will eventually die. None of these things are things we can really keep. None of these are things, even though they may be so important to us, none of these are things that will ultimately last. Jim Elliott, the famous missionary who was killed by the Alka Indians in South America, once said famously and brilliantly, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And what is the thing, the only thing that we cannot lose? If money is all eventually going to go away and every, every animal or person we love is going to die, what is the one thing we can't lose? What is the only foundation for our lives that will last no matter what? The answer, obviously, is Jesus. 
Our scripture here from Luke refers to this. But in 1 Corinthians 3, the Apostle Paul makes it even more direct when he writes this. This is from the third chapter of 1 Corinthians, starting in the 11th verse. For no one can lay any foundation other than one which is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. Eventually, everything, including our shallow earthly foundations, will be destroyed. We are told that very clearly in Scripture. All that will be left is the deep foundation, the only real foundation, which is Jesus Christ. I can remember when I lived in Southern California in seminary and then afterwards, I used to hike up in the, in the mountains above Pasadena. And you'd be out an hour and a half away from anything and you'd think that this is complete wilderness and that you know nothing has ever been there. And all of a sudden I would come upon the foundation of a hotel. Because at one time in those, those mountains they had hotels and people would go up there and stay in these hotels. It looked like wilderness, except I would come across, I would stumble across, quite literally in some cases, the foundation of an old building that had been there. The foundation was deep enough that it was still there when nature had taken everything else back. That's the nature of a deep foundation. It will last. But many of us, I think, in our lives are like the builders of the old glove factory. We don't want to go to the great effort that's necessary to build a proper foundation in our lives. We want to sort of leave everything pretty much undisturbed and try to get by with just a thin layer of Jesus on top. But here in Luke 6, Jesus describes a man who digs deep to put in a proper foundation. He doesn't try to get by with a thin layer on top, but goes all the way down to the rock. And interestingly, including in one of our readings today, Rock is a metaphor that is used throughout Scripture for God himself. That the foundation is built upon God in Jesus Christ. The wise man digs deep underneath all the layers of his life, or the woman in her life, so that the foundation will be solid and strong. This foundation built on Jesus, the one that can last against all assaults. But too many of us have not been willing to dig deep into all aspects of our lives to recognize that the only secure foundation to all of life is Jesus. It may be that there may be parts of our life that we've really committed to Jesus and is built on him as a foundation, but there are other parts of our life that we want to keep separate and therefore are not stable. It's important here in Luke 6 that we see that Jesus also does not say that those who profess to be Christians or even those who believe in Jesus in a nominal, non-committal sort of way. That's not who he's talking about. He says, those with a solid foundation are those who, and I quote, come to me, hear my words, and put them into practice. We have to live it out for our foundation to be solid. We are not saved by works, do not misunderstand me, but we're saved by accepting, loving, and being committed to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But Jesus is very clear in a number of places, including here, that true followers of his, those who really love him, will do what he told them to do in how they live their lives. He says here, 
that we should do what he says, that we should put his teaching into practice. Not just hear it, not just hear it and go on. In the book of James, the first chapter, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like anyone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. We are told to put Jesus' teaching into practice if we are to have a firm foundation. In 2015, gosh, doesn't seem that long ago, but two, that's two and a half years ago now, I did a series of sermons, 17 sermons in all, called If You Love Me. And the focus of that series, based upon Jesus' words in John 14, when he said, if you love me, keep my commands, was on all the things Jesus told us specifically to do. I could have preached 50 sermons in that series, but we have to change up sometimes. But Jesus, in the Gospels, tells us to believe in him, to not be afraid, to be generous, to give thanks, to trust the Holy Spirit, to live by God's word, to love one another, to give, to repent, to pray, to take the narrow way, to care for all those in need, to tell others about him, to be ready for persecution, to look for his return, to rest in him, and much more. If you really love Jesus... If he is the foundation of your life, a foundation that will stand against opposition, then you will be doing those things. You will put his words into practice. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we, are you, individually, doing the things that Jesus told you to do? Do you even know what those things are? Have you looked in the Gospels and read his words and learned what he told us to do? Have you dug deep into your life and made Jesus the foundation for everything you are and everything you do? Or is your foundation, that thing that is most important to you in your life, something other than Jesus? Because if it is, please know, we are assured in Scripture and here and elsewhere, that if we have some foundation other than Jesus, that foundation will ultimately be destroyed. It cannot withstand the pressures that will come. So I have an assignment for you today in your afternoon. For me, Sunday afternoon is golden time, I call it, because it's the only time during the week when I don't have something I have to get done that day. So I encourage you during your golden time, Sunday afternoon, to ask yourself two questions, to do so seriously and privately. Now, one could ask yourself these questions. What to me is the most important thing in my life? And answer yourself honestly. And secondly, what is the foundation I have built my life on? If you answer those two questions, what is most important to me and what is the foundation of my life, and the answer to both questions is not honestly Jesus, then you have some spiritual work to do. And if you ask the Lord to help you with that spiritual work, He has promised to do so. Because any other foundation, even the wonderful glory of family, of spouse and children and grandchildren, is not the ultimate foundation for your life as a follower of Jesus. And so I encourage you in that. Ask those questions. Seek those answers and ask for God's help. Amen.